This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're far better for you. Just one bar has between 130 and 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, and between three and seven grams of sugar. And you can capitalize on this by using our code BIGSHOTS, all one word, for your next Built Bar purchase to get 10% off. Built Bar, join the team. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Nishin. As we all know, Devin's still not with us on this podcast, but that's okay. You do not need to hear me go on uh, uninterrupted without a voice to bounce off of because that would make for some terrible radio. I am joined today uh, from Crocker uh, Crocker Report as well as uh, Raisin Zona, which is SB Nation. Um, I'm joined by Damian Parson. Damian, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. Uh, blessed. Happy to be here. Ready to talk some uh, some football, some draft prospects, and Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely. This is one that that before Devin had to take his his lead. This is one we had lined up. This is one we could not wait to do. Uh, the Cardinals don't really get talked a lot on Twitter. There's not really a huge you know Cardinals Twitter like there is with say the Eagles or the Cowboys or or any of these other big fan bases. And I actually had to go digging. When I was doing my, my Cardinals, uh, you know, you know, off-season preview, I wanted to make sure I had some some Cardinals folk that I could bounce off of, and Damian was the one I, I went to. Um, but yeah, it's been an eventful couple of days for your Cardinals. Let's get into that. Uh, obviously, yes, before sir. free agency started, you went ahead and you got uh, JJ Watt, which I mean, nine out of ten years, that'd be the biggest thing that happens in free agency. Uh, not quite right, this right. year, I think, just because of the timing. Um, but you know, since free agency started, uh, AJ green was brought in more guys from the 2011 class, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson left Hassan Reddick left on a weird one year. De- there are a lot of one year deals this year. It seems, Oh yeah. uh, so just, you know, kind of what, what's your take on Arizona's approach to free agency so far? Uh, right now. I mean, I, I love what they've done, uh, yesterday, um, of course, signing, AJ Green, but then they doubled down, uh, trading a seventh round pick, uh, a third round pick for a seventh rounder and uh, one of the best centers in football from the Las uh, Las Vegas Raiders and Rodney Hudson. That was a big move because Mason Cole, I believe, was the was the main starter, and he was like 292 pounds. He wasn't really strong at the point of attack, and one of the main things that really derailed the second half of the season for the Cardinals. Was a simple fact. The matter is, the offensive line just did not play up to par, um, and, and of course, it was a, a litany of different reasons. But um, you know, the play calling was suspect. Uh, just the way that they, you know Cliff Kingsbury was using his weapons, uh, you know, just focusing t- entirely too much on force feeding. DeAndre Hopkins. So getting AJ Green, and which I put up, you know, a couple clips of him today, just looking at the All 22 last night, and I was like, man, you know, all season you hear know, AJ Green's just not the same guy. Uh, some people say he was washed, so forth and so on. But looking at the tape, you know, he was targeted like 104 times. Now, you know, Joe Burrow had a great year, but he wasn't the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Like, let's go ahead and get that cleared now. And then he got hurt. He had Brandon Allen and he just, you know, it wasn't the best situation. Right. So AJ green for me, like watching him on tape, he still has it. He still has the ability to, I mean, he had what 40, I think he had like 40 or 50 catches for like 500, you know, 70 some odd yards receiving. Now you upgrade the, you know, regardless of how people feel about it, Kyler Murray is a clear upgrade over Joe Burrow, in my opinion. So you upgrade the offense, the, 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 uh, signal caller in the play and in the, uh, the quarterback play. And then you also add in the fact that now he's not wide receiver one. 
teams came in. Yeah, T. Higgins had a good season, and we know Tyler Boyd can play, but the name is still A.J. Green in Cincinnati. So if I'm playing Jalen Ramsey, I have Jalen Ramsey. I'm still putting Jalen Ramsey on A.J. Green. Mm-hmm. But now that's not the case. What's going to happen is A.J. Green's going to see DeAndre Hopkins. You know, teams are going to try to bracket DeAndre Hopkins. What does that do for <clears throat> A.J. Green? That leaves him one-on-one. And not only just him one-on-one, that kicks Christian Kirk inside. It just makes the offense it's a little bit more reliability to the pass-catching situation. The the move that I love the most was J.J. Watt. And the I never tweeted it out. The first thing that popped in my mind was go back about a decade or so, uh, the Alden Smith and Justin Smith team, uh, tag team in San Francisco. They called them the Smith brothers uh, where they did the, the, uh, the tackle in stunt game. They had a lot of different game work between the two, especially on passing downs. So I'm thinking about the fact that you have Chandler Jones. Now you got JJ Watt. You can put them on the same side as each other. Uh, they brought back Marcus Golden, a veteran pass rusher, who is a pretty solid pass rusher as well. And then they did, uh, they actually extended tender offers on restricted free agent Dennis Gardette, who is a, to me, he is a sleeper as a, as a pass rusher, just kind of, I'm not gonna call him Clay. He's not Clay Matthews, but he reminds me a lot of like Chase Winovich for the Patriots quick off the ball, like motor always running hot and, and just an effort guy. Guy's going to give you everything he has and leave it all on the field. So just having that depth uh, at the pass rushing position I do believe that I wouldn't be surprised if they still add another pass rusher in the draft, but I'm, I'm really, I'm excited for what they've done because they've added not just veterans, but guys who were elite in this league, guys who are great rock locker room guys who can teach some of these young guys as well, how to be pros, how to play at a high level and can play at a consistent level uh, as well. Like I said, the AJ Green move and JJ Watt move were so crucial. And then of course, like I said, Roddy Hudson, man, he's going to help the run game. Um, you know, say the two, I even put it in my article, uh, talking about the fact that the Cardinals had an offensive line issue this year after the season, there were more, I believe it was 68 games where Kenyon Drake averaged about 3.5 yards per carry in the games. And that's not good as a former running back. That's the, no, that's no. not a good <laughs> sign that you're averaging less, not, not just less than four yards, but you're averaging three and a half yards. That's not good. No. So, and a lot of that is because of the offensive line play. So if you if you improve that, that gives Kyler Murray more time and keeps him uh, comfortable in the pocket where he could step up. Because one thing that def- that defenses began to do in the second half, at, again after the bye week, they started blitzing the nickel and dime corners consistently to speed up his clock, sp- speed up his progressions, and actually take his eyes from the progressions because they're sending extra pressure and. When you can't step up into the pocket because your center isn't, uh, you know, sitting down and, and locking down on his defender and the guard play is, is so, so it, you can't comfortably stay, step up in the pocket. So what does that do? That leaves your quarterback kind of high and dry. Now he's got to run around and make plays. And that's fine. That's great to have. But let that be a backup. Yeah, not, you can't have that have be that. a game plan. Exactly. One thing I noticed, a uh, small one that kind of slid on, maybe a little bit under the radar, is the signing of Matt Prater. You guys upgraded the kicking game. Yes. Uh, yes. Matt Prater may be 37 years old, but kicker is a position where you can still play at 37. Uh, exactly. The one thing I kept reading when I was when I was writing about the Cardinals was they needed to get the kicking game upgraded from Zagan's Alice. And Zagan's Alice is great, 
because he's a local kid. It, it, it's basically the whole thing you hear with Denver and Philip Lindsay. They just yeah. loved talking about that was Hank Gonzalez because he was an Arizona State kid. I think he was from the you know the Glendale area, and like no one could shut up. But like there are better kickers out there. Get someone like Matt Prater, who obviously was going to leave Detroit because they're in, in complete flux. Um, having a reliable kicker keeps you win more games. Means you don't have to score touchdowns on every single drive. So exactly. I I. I I don't know if there were better kickers, to be honest. I didn't read too much into the, you know, analytics of kicking. Uh, but I do know that Prater was one of the best available on the market. You now don't have to go and draft another young kid. You got a, a proven commodity. Prater's been kicking since, like, I think I started watching football, it seems like. <laughs> it, it's He's been in the league since, like, 2006, so maybe maybe not quite that long. But, yeah, I think that's a, that was a big upgrade. I, every single offseason piece I read said that the the – the Cardinals needed a veteran proven commodity at kicker. So how do you feel? <laughs> I, I like it. I mean, like you said, it, it, it puts, takes a little bit of the onus off of the offense uh, to have to score touchdowns every single drive, but not even just that, but in games where you, where you take the lead and you, we all know we've seen it, you know, leads in the NFL disappear within a snap of a finger. If you're not careful, Oh yeah. you know, you walk into halftime with a 17 point lead and then, your opponent scores 17 points in the third quarter and your offense sputters because now all the pressure is on you to keep scoring. When in fact, you know, kicking, getting, getting those field goals, converting on those field goals, extends the lead to where, okay, offense is like, okay, we didn't score a touchdown, but we hit the field goal. Let's go, let's regroup on the sideline, figure out where are we, why do we stall on that drive? What, you know, and then they come back out, you score a touchdown. Now that's a 10 point swing. If you get us, if you were able to get a stop and keep the other offense off the board defensively. So having a reliable kicker, I know a lot of people, especially in fantasy football, people are like, man, kickers suck. I hate kickers. Don't get me wrong. I hate kickers in fantasy football. Too, I don't scout but... kickers. I don't scout kickers. So <laughs> I hate kickers in fantasy football. I really wish we could take them out of, out of the whole fantasy football game. <laughs> I really hate it. It's a waste of a roster spot to me. But, um, you know, but kickers are people, you know, kickers are people. And I don't want to disrespect them. So they're just not fancy football commodities. So you're people. And in real life and in the real game, you are valuable. So having, you know, we saw it in New England for so long, you know, when they had um, Adam Vinatieri. And then when he went on to, to the Indianapolis Colts, you know, Steven Gaskowski. So. Having it really, I'm not sure who's the kicker there now. I don't know if it's Nick Folk or whoever, but having oh, it I really, tell you. <laughs> I mean, look at Baltimore, right? You know, Justin Tucker, one of the best kickers in the league, one of the biggest legs, one of the most accurate guys, clutch as well. So having that, it takes a lot of it takes pressure off the offense, man. So I'm happy to see a veteran reliable kicker in town because like I said, that last drive, you know, you're driving to win the game. You shouldn't have to worry about a a, a Hail Murray all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can get in the field goal range and you're down two, kick the and, and is a little time on the clock, you can trot out a, a quality kicker, a reliable guy. You as a coach and as an offense, like, hey, I trust my guy. But when you have a kicker that you cannot rely on, and it's kind of sketchy, we've seen that, right? We've seen mm-hmm. teams go, especially getting close to the halftime. They're like, man, you know, it's like 10 seconds left and we're like at the 50. Like, yeah, we can get a couple yards and try to take a long field goal or let's get a couple yards, get out of bounds, and let's just hail Mary it from here because they don't trust their kicker. And it changes the whole entire game plan, and it really decides, and it's the decision-making of uh, deciding factor, rather, of are we going to score points or not? 
And and Prater's got a cannon of a leg. So again, I think with Gonzalez, you had to, to move that ball further in. You, you could really not test it past 50, whereas Prater can hit 55, 56, 57 consistently. So yes. again, you know, it's the little things that matter. Now, you did mention offensive line, and unfortunately, there's just not a lot left out there on the offensive line that's um, attractive right now. Like, yeah, there's still Eric Fisher, but he's coming off of a Achilles tear. There's talk that Mitchell Schwartz might retire. There's all sorts of uh, you know, of issues like that. Like, unless you want to throw some money at Alejandro Villanueva, which I don't know whether you know many would be willing to do so i mean you, you mentioned a lot like the offensive line for a couple of years has been a problem since back when arians was coaching yep. because i mean and, and i don't think it's unfair to say that your best offensive lineman has been dj humphreys but even when arians was back there they weren't exactly high on dj humphreys i remember the, the quote saying that uh the nickname for dj humphreys in camp was uh knee deep because a foot up his ass wasn't enough <laughs> which is my favorite one of my favorite quotes of all time the, the, the cardinals are great for quotes because you also have steve kimes quote with hannibal lecter running a four three that i mean the the cardinals i don't know why they're not talked about much it's top notch banter like they are the best banter <laughs> team in the nfl um but i think that's a good transition for us because you know obviously you're not gonna be able to tackle no no team's able to tackle all their needs in just the draft or just free agency that's why there's both um we're not going to do a full seven rounder that that would one take us forever. And two, <laughs> I mean, seven rounders kind of suck at, at, at a certain point. Cause I'm at 250 players and there are times I go through these simulations and I don't know who's left. Like yeah. I've never heard of half of these, but so we're going to probably do like first three, four rounds, okay. uh, kind of go over just the positions. Uh, you know, we'll, we won't do like a, a true mock draft, but we'll go like, okay, so whatever, what your, remaining biggest needs are for for the Cardinals. We'll go through maybe a, a couple of prospects in each of those first four rounds that they could target. Cause that's really where you need instant impact or you're finding some day one starters on there as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what in your mind would be the Cardinals biggest need right now? So one of the biggest issues right now, I mean, you, you lose Patrick Peterson, you resign Robert Alford, that's, you know, that's a little sketchy. He's a veteran, but can you really rely on him? He's not the future, right? He's 33 already? Damn. Yeah. So, like, you got Byron Murphy, but Byron Murphy is, to me, more of a slot, slot uh, nickel corner at best right now. And, and he can give you some versatility inside and out. But losing Patrick Peterson um, hurt. Now, don't get me wrong. He had a lot of ups and downs as well. Um, especially in the back end of the season. So I wasn't really – I didn't think that they were going to bring him back, especially at a specific price range. So cornerback is a need. And, of course, we know the big three. You know, J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain, uh, the second. And, I mean, for me, in the range where Arizona is in the first round, the only guy I could possibly see falling to them is J.C. Um, JC's name has a lot of is, 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 is gaining more and more steam, but I do believe teams are going to go with the true athleticism of Caleb Farley and the upside with them playing to spending uh, time at receiver before switching over the corner. They look at the tools. He's very toolsy. Uh, like I say, legit athlete rumored to jump 30, 
think 36, 37 up in the vert, 4-3 type of speed. Um, with his footwork, he transit. He knows how to run routes with receivers, and sometimes for receivers because he was a receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of that Richard Sherman esque type of knowledge as a uh, as a former receiver when he spent, uh, I think, what his first two years at Stanford uh, when he was in college. So, cornerback is important. So, I think J.C. Horn could be there. Um, it, I like Aaron Robinson. I'm I'm more so looking at it from a size aspect where you already have a five foot 10, five foot 11, um, Byron Murphy, and then Robert Alfred isn't as tall either. So you do need a longer, more linear corner, especially someone that can play press man and, and really get in the face of, um, of receivers. But this, this draft, this corner class is very good. Mm-hmm. Like I know we I love this. The I three, love this. This is, this is a very good corner class, man. And I mean, I just interviewed him last week. Izu Mukwamu, that's a guy that they can probably snag in the fourth, fifth round um, to where he gets forgotten a lot. And it's, it's a shame. And, and, and we talked huge. about it on the show. We talked about it during the interview. He said, you know, he, he only played three games this year. If he sat out the whole year, like, you know, some other guys did, um, his name will have a little bit more steam because he played so well in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, the two, both soccer line and DBs um, will be huge uh, if they were able to somehow snag at least one of them. Uh, Greg Newsom. Now, it, it, I love Greg Newsom. He's in my top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I once I got like once I got the chance to study his tape, his his fluid transitions. Um, good foot. He's tech, he's technical. He's a good athlete, strong, long, physical, can play press man, intelligent FBI football intelligence where he can play zone. He can bait you in the throws, sit in throwing, throwing lanes when he's sitting in zone. I, I love the kid, man. I really love his game. And I think he's someone, if the top three are gone, he, you know, that's a guy he's my, I think he's my number four right now. And I have Asante Samuel Jr. at number five. So, I really think Greg Newsom, you know, six foot one, I think 190, 200 pounds or whatever uh, weight in that, that is a great, that would be a really good fit. Cause like I say, he's versatile, hmm. uh, especially in the first round. I don't, I don't think he makes it out of the first oh, round. Oh no, he, he's not going um, to at this point. I don't I, think. I, I just don't see it. Um, but I, you know, that, that's, that would be my, that honestly within range, that's my guy, Greg Newsom Jr. Uh, Greg Newsom um, over uh, Northwestern. I think he'll be a great addition to the secondary because with that pass rush, you know, like I said, Chandler Jones coming off, being healthy this year. J.J. Watt is going to, you know, still, he's still a very good rusher from the interior at the at the three technique and even at the five um, in a 34 defense, which is what they run. <clears throat> so then you start blitzing Isaiah Simmons and some of these other linebackers. And now you allow... Newsom and Byron Murphy and Buda Baker and uh, Thompson to just ball ball hawk. Oh yeah, after the ball, you know what I mean. Um, so that that would be my t- if I could get any if I can mock anybody to them right now in the first round uh, at the cornerback position, it would be uh, Greg Newsom. Granted, don't get me wrong, tight end is a big need. I just don't see Kyle Pitts falling there, so I'm not going even. Yeah, you uh you mentioned the corner, you know J.C. Horn. Listen. JC Horn to the Cardinals is that there, there's that pick that everyone has in their mock draft every year. That's not like a top five pick that you just see. Like there are those guys that you just see wearing like, you know, Baltimore Ravens jersey or, you know, last year, the pick I constantly made was, was the Eagles getting Justin Jefferson. 
So you can only imagine how I reacted when they didn't do that. <laughs> I was on a live stream. It didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this year, that pick that I have told people, like in every mock draft I do, you can assure yourself you will see J.C. Horn end up somehow as an Arizona Cardinal. If I have to trade up to do it, I will. OK, it's just yeah. going to happen. Yeah. The one thing that I, I, I read uh, earlier this week, though, was from uh, Benjamin Albright, who's very, very plugged in with the league. And he says that the league may not be as high on Caleb Farley as the rest of us. So if there's a chance that Farley is available at 16, I'm pretty sure that you'd be okay with that one as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if, if Farley falls, I mean, the, the thing about it, like I said, he, 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 he's kind of raw. So mm-hmm. you just got to take your time with him. And, and that's where I think bringing in a veteran as well, another veteran starting caliber corner will help mm-hmm. kind of help speed up his process and, and everything like that. But that would be a, you know, for the long haul, that would be a great pick. Um, so I would love that completely because, like I said, he could play man, he could play off, he could play zone. Uh, he's an incredible athlete, you, you know. So that kind of goes back to you know Patrick Pete, kind of a Patrick Peterson esque mm-hmm. mold, um, just you know, in, in insane athlete at the cornerback position. Yeah, the one other position that I mentioned when I wrote about the Cardinals at, at sixteen, in case there seems there's like a drop is if a Christian Derrissaw or a Rashawn Slater left. Because, again, Absolutely. listen, DJ Humphreys is good, but you're paying him a lot of money, and you can get out of that next year. Like, Kelvin Beecham's okay. He's a decent you know, right tackle, but, yeah. he, he, I mean, he can be replaced. It's not like he's Absolutely. irreplaceable. <laughs> DJ Humphreys isn't irreplaceable. You can always move Humphreys, uh, like, um, uh, Beecham or Humphreys inside to start, you know, uh, Darasa outside. I think that he has probably the most insane jump in terms of an offensive tackle from where he was going into, uh, you know, from his 2019 film to his 2020. I loved Darasa back in May. Thought he was like a, you know, a guy that would sneak into the top 50. And then he shut everyone up. And now he's, you know, possibly going to go in the top half of the first round. Um, but yeah, I, that's the only other position other than corner. I could really see the team addressing because as you said, Cal Pitts is not going to be there at pick 16. And if he is, there's something wrong. Yeah. Not a chance. And I mean, like you said, with, with DJ Humphries, he played, well, he played pretty well, uh, last season. Beecham kind of, it was hit or miss for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really didn't, I really didn't like what I saw from him in terms of pass coverage. And again, you know, in the run game as well, he's a little long. He's getting a little long in the tooth. Um, I believe he's, I think he's on the wrong side of 30, if I'm not I, mistaken. Uh, I can uh, check. Uh, yeah, he's 31. So he's, he'll be 32 soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's getting up there in age. And so if a Christian Darisaw or Rashawn Slater fell, absolutely. Because what I would do is depending on, you know, just depending on which one uh, for the, to me, I think Rashawn Slater and his movement ability his quickness, his his uh, athleticism as well, kind of you know would fit better to that air raid scheme uh, type of scheme. Mm-hmm. So I would kick DJ Humphreys over to the right side, and I'll put Rashawn Slater at the left. And now you have two solid young tackles that, because one I always tell people, man, having bookend tackles is so important because from a from a blocking standpoint, 
yeah, you can you can leave a tight end in to help double. You can take your running back and chip, but that takes somebody out of the route. When you have two tackles that you can leave on the island, what that does for your interior is you can double team and combo block to where if you have one guard that can man up, you know, and, and handle his handle his business one on one, that center and that other guard can double team and combo block that other uh, interior defensive lineman. So you're good in terms of protection. So it's a lot. It's more. It, it have it helps so much more having two booking tackles. So if that was the case and one of those guys fell, either one of them, I'm fine with personally. To be personally honest with you, but that you know that was a great point. If they fell, if they fall, it's going to be really. I'm going to be really hard pressed not to, to pull the trigger and say, let me, let me get one of these tackles to, because Beecham, you know, they brought, the crazy, like you said, the, what they did with him, that, that deal wasn't a long, it was, it was like a two year deal and it wasn't worth a lot of money. They can get out of that most likely immediately. Yeah. Like, so it doesn't really matter, but you can at least keep him there as a veteran to help get the young guy along through camp and then let them battle it out. Let the young guy take over and protect your main asset, which is Kyler Murray. Exactly. Um, now, there are two questions I, I want to ask you that kind of tied to the same idea of positional value. Mm-hmm. Do running backs and linebackers matter to you? Because these are both so- sore spots for Arizona. And then they're even sore spots for Twitter because people don't like when linebackers and running backs going round one. Now at 16, don't draft a running back. Don't draft a running back when you have holes like, uh, yeah. like Arizona does. Yeah, but right. You know, I think Arizona has pick 50, if I'm not mistaken, I think, you know, so, yeah. so, something like that. That could be great range for a Javante Williams out of North Carolina, which is another player where I swear if I do multiple rounds, uh, you, you're just going to know right away that Arizona's coming away with J.C. Horn and, um, and, <laughs> and Javante Williams, which I would be extremely happy. Those are two of my favorite players. But do you think that – and of offense run by someone like a, a Cliff Kingsbury would know how to use Javante Williams properly. Cause that's been my concern is Cliff with running backs. So the answer to your first question, do linebackers and running backs matter? They absolutely do because it, it is, it's, I always love to hear when, you know, people say, well, they you know, especially I'm a former uh, running back. So like, I always would think running backs matter. Like you can say what you want. It's all about usage, you mm. know, um, you know, people, cause, and I have to say this, you know, people are like, well, I don't want to pay a running back because, you know, it's, you know, they get hurt afterwards and it's, it's this, that, so many different reasons. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I get it. It's a, it's the most physical position on, on the field besides the interior in the trenches with the O line and D line, but you pay quarterbacks $45 million a year to take up over 12% of the cap space. How many top, how many quarterbacks in the top five in terms of pay make it to the playoffs? or to the Super Bowl. Doesn't really happen. That's why teams, so when they have a good young rookie quarterback, they go all in while they're on the mm-hmm. rookie deal because that's the best chance to win the title. Exactly. Because once you pay that guy 40 plus million dollars, $35 plus million, you're hurt. You, you're shortchanging yourself to be, you, you put so much onus and pressure on your scouting department to make sure that these evals are correct. They're yeah. ready. You need to know that these prospects that are on your board, that they have no red flags and no character issues. There's no immaturity issues, all of that. That's more pressure. So I know, I, I know people like say, well, running backs don't matter and you don't have to pay running back. You can find a running back and you can. Don't get me wrong. Paying quarterbacks hasn't really been effective either. So I just want to put that out there for those people who, <laughs> 
are on the quarterback train. Because if not, I challenge you, show me how, name me, list the, the name of the quarterbacks that have been linked, not just top 10, top five in terms of salary, how many playoff wins after they got paid, and how many Super Bowls. And I'll wait for it. You know, we, <laughs> we, we, we're going um, so, full so, Cat Williams on this. Don't worry, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, linebackers really do matter because in the league right now, where you're seeing running backs like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, you know, even Miles Gaskins to, to an extent, James White. There's so many <clears throat> running backs that are versatile mm-hmm. and dual threats. Now you got Michael Carter, uh, Michael, Michael uh, Carter coming in. And then you have Javante Williams can catch the ball at the backfield. Najee Harris lines up out wide at the X or in the slot at 230 freaking pounds, which is incredible. Um, so, you know, Puka Williams, like there's so many running backs coming in that do that have these exact same skill sets where they're running the Texas angle, they're running the wheel route, they're running the slot wheel, the slot fade. And it's like unique linebackers. I mean, as a Patriot fan, I'm a Patriot fan. Trust me when I tell you, when you have a 255-pound linebacker who can't move laterally sideline to sideline, mm-hmm. you're going to see exactly how important linebackers are when that running back comes out on the wheel route and your linebacker can't make be into the spot. I feel like there needs to be a caveat because people always go, oh, you know, like the, they looked at, say, Baltimore's draft of last year where they went, you know, linebacker in the first round and got and got uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Queen. And then they went, mm-hmm. you know, in the second round and they got J.K. Dobbins, a running back. People didn't like either of those picks because linebackers are, you Both know, of them were huge. Both of them were huge for them. And then they went ahead and they got one of my guys from last year, which was Malik Harrison. And yeah, the old school traditional linebackers, your like Brian Urlacher was ahead of his time. If you think about it, you can say what you want about, about his yeah. views and, and you're absolutely right. Don't get me wrong. But he was ahead of his time because he's a former safety, converted to linebacker. He could be on the field all three downs. Look at his partner, though, in Chicago. Lance Briggs, probably not going to fit as well in this in, in the modern NFL. Why? Dude couldn't cover. Now, cover. you need, like, those big thumping guys, you know, a, you know, a Bart Scott, a, a, a Ray Lewis. Those guys wouldn't be as impactful as they are in today's you know, uh, NFL because they weren't as good in coverage. So coverage linebackers matter. Run stuff. Th- that's why Patty Fisher is being seen as a seventh-round pick. And someone like a Jeremiah Wusakoramoa, who doesn't have the tackle stats, is seen as a first-round pick because he's more versatile. Patty Fisher is going to be a special teamer because of that. So I think people kind of yeah. need to need to add more context to that. And that's that, that's a story for a whole other time. The reason I mentioned that is those are also two positions where I could see Arizona going in round two. Running yes. back with a Javante Williams. Linebacker, listen, I'm an Eagles fan. Jordan Hicks. I like Jordan Hicks. You yeah. need so you need a better coverage person beside him. Devondre Campbell is a free agent right now, and if they wanted him, they probably would have brought him back by now. Is That's Isaiah absolutely. Simmons going to fill in that spot, or is he going to play more safety? You see, this is why I didn't really trust the Vance Joseph aspect of Isaiah Simmons because I wasn't sure if he knew how to use him properly. Right, that that is a problem. I mean, and one thing about this linebacker linebacker class, I really like it a lot. Um, one of my favorite linebackers in this class who has the athleticism to drop in coverage from the middle of the field and rush off the edge, Baron Browning from Ohio State. I mm-hmm. absolutely love his game and his traits. But for me in the second round, to maximize, if you want to go, like I'm saying, you're going to go all in, it's got to be Javonta Williams. If Javonta mm-hmm. Williams is on the board at pick 50 or wherever they are in the second round, that's the move you make. The reason why is because now you think about the RPO game, the read option game, Chase Edmonds is still there. So that's going to be your scat back your pass catcher and you still can throw the ball to Javonta Williams but think about the fact that okay you get a lead now you gotta 
downhill, north and south, physical thumper that has good bursts and good short area quickness. And with the inside zone, the outside zone, you start adding in more pinning and pulling with the offensive line. Javonta Williams can really cook because, see, I always tell people, for example, you look at Josh Jacobs. He's in a terrible spot right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they, he's in a terrible spot. They they are they literally just allowed their best offensive lineman to be traded and all this stuff like that, and they're, they're banking on some, some younger guys. The, the offensive line, that's risky, man. You don't break up a good group. That, but that's John Gruden, and Gruden is going Gruden. So it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> Gruden, I, I'm going to have Devin caption this one: Gruden going Gruden. That, that's going to be the name of this of, of this podcast for sure. <laughs> so when I look at it from an aspect of you, you flip him and you put him, you put Josh Jacobs in, you know, John the Taylor's position behind that offensive line in Indy. Oh yeah, with the what the young weapons they have you can't you can't load the box because that's what teams did against Josh Jacobs they loaded the box so you take Javante Williams you got Kyler Murray you got DeAndre Hopkins you got AJ Green you got Christian Kirk it's like as a defensive as a, a defensive coordinator you walking into that week like guys we're gonna have to play more split safety we cannot go too much single high get too close to the box we got to focus on these receivers and Kyler Murray and then that brings in the fact that, okay, well, you read option RPO, you're wondering, it's Kyle, your end is reading Kyler Murray. So that's taking one less guy out of the run game. And now Kyler Murray lets it go to Javonta Williams, who, who, bust, who bursts it up the middle. And now it's him in a safety. And we've seen what he does to safeties when you look at the Miami tape. So, like, that to me is the pick. I would, I really would love to see Javonta Williams there because again, that you can go pony set with him on the left and, and Chase Edmonds on the right of, of, of Kyler Murray. And you can run the triple option. You can run read option. You can do all these different things in terms of creativity from a offensive play calling standpoint. And I think that's another thing that hurt uh, Cliff Kingsbury, just not having enough horses no. to truly be creative. Yeah. And I hope that as we continue to add, uh, players and add playmakers because I'm gonna tell you right now, man. And I was not a fan of Andy Isabella when he came into the league, and I'm not a fan now. Like, it's look to to legitimately look at him on film, and just to me, he gives up on routes. He's getting knocks off on route off of his off of his routes too easily. He's not a physical route runner. At he all. shouldn't have been a second round pick at all. He should not have been. He was more of a four fifth rounder for me. He's a special teamer. But looking, even look at the stats, man. Like he only had he had less than a hundred yards more than Kenyon Drake, if I'm not mistaken. I think Kenyon Drake had 147 yards receiving, and I think um, Andy Isabella had like 237 or some oh. some odd number. So it was like. Th- that right there is one of the biggest problems. The the consistency in the weaponry isn't there. So adding a Javonta Williams over a linebacker, yes, I'm completely fine with that because this is a good linebacker court uh, mm-hmm. class as well, and it's very deep. So you mm-hmm. can find another coverage guy, whether it's – I mean, I don't think Chad Surratt lasts until <laughs> – I don't think he think – he, uh, I don't think he's uh, taken out of the second round. Like, he's going to be in the second round. I don't think he falls – but you got Jabril Cox. You have Dylan Moses um, if he's healthy. Um, and, and my guy, one of my guys, Tony Fields the second yes. from West Virginia. Tony Fields is a – listen, I've talked to someone, a source close to the school, and they told me, I said, man, you know, give me a rundown on Tony Fields. What's up? And they told me, like, hey, listen, 
without him, our defense would have not been where they were. Mm-hmm. And he's a convert, like we talked about earlier, like I think he's a converted safety to linebacker. He's got that speed, that athleticism. He can play, man. He can drop off in the zone. Uh, I, I do want to see him get quicker in terms of triggering in the run game and diagnosing the run, but that comes with reps because you change positions and people on the depth perception, like it's one thing to rerun when you're 20, you're 15 yards back at safety. It's another thing where you're seven yards off the ball and you have to be quicker with it. Cause if you're not quicker with it, that 330 pound center is going to legitimately jump into that situation, jump in there and, and, um, and, you know, uh, and, and make the play. So, uh, definitely, I think um, you can grab a linebacker late. Oh, yeah. I think linebacker is a position where they can definitely wait if, if they have to. Now, I'm going to get one more position, and then we go and get on out of here. Um, I'm looking at the depth chart. Obviously, we talked about tight end. I think tight end, maybe in round three, you can get like a Hunter Long or a Tommy Tremble if they're still there. I think that would be great. Uh, but past round three, you're really pushing to try to find any, anyone that's a difference maker at tight end in this just class. It's just not that great. Uh, it's very top-heavy. I'm looking at the depth chart. If the offensive line holds up, then Kyle is good. But if Kyler goes down, you're in a lot of trouble because the backup is Chris Strebler or it's Brett Hundley. Should Arizona be looking at a backup quarterback in this class? I think yes, but like, I think it has to be, I think it should be late. Yeah. Um, and, and like I'm talking late, fourth, fifth but... round, your Kyle Trask, yeah. Helen Mons, Felipe Franks type guys. Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, honestly, I would. I would even the Sam Ellinger, sixth round. I don't think he goes any you know, any higher than that. You snatch him in the sixth sixth round, and um, and you really can you know do some things with him. Um, I think that'd be. Shane Bouchel, there's a lot of different late round QBs, but I definitely think getting a QB would help just to have someone in the back as a backup. Like I said, we saw it against the Rams. Um, yeah, it didn't, it did not end well when mm-hmm. Kyler went down and it showed, it showed the importance of Kyler Murray as well. Um, that he does, he is the stir. He's the straw that stirs the drink for that offense. Um, so again, I, but to talk about the tight end quest, the tight end thing real quick, there are uh, there are a few tight ends that hunting along. Trey McKinney is a guy, athletic. Same thing with Kenny Yaboa, athletic tight ends that can really make plays. Um, you know, in 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 the middle of the field. I like Trey McKinney as a developmental guy as well. So they definitely need to upgrade the tight end spot because unless they're planning on bringing back Dan Arnold, which I think they should. Because he does have some little, some chemistry with Kyler, mm-hmm. you're gonna need him if you bring a rookie in. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on. That's gonna do it for today, guys. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore Draft. Follow Devin on Twitter, anyways, at Real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow Damien on Twitter. I love the fact that you have a nice simple handle for me to tweet. Uh, to, to shout out that I don't have to try to remember spelling. It's just DP underscore NFL. You can find his work uh, at SB Nation with uh, Raisin Zona, as well as with Crocker Report. And before we get on out of here, guys, as always, buy the uh, Built Bar. Use the promo code BIGSHOTS, 10% off. But Blue Chip Scouting has merch. That's right. We launched the merch site this week. Devin's going to include the link in the description of this podcast. And until next time, guys, take it easy.